You're listening to the Broadway Podcast Network. Visit bpn.fm to discover more. Half hour! Hello and welcome to Half Hour, an entertainment podcast through Two Worlds Entertainment. I'm Richie. And I'm Jeff. Here for our Spotlight podcast, bringing you casual conversations on the shows, films, concerts, music events, and performances that we see and observe throughout our careers. This conversation will feature spoilers, so please make sure you have seen the piece we're talking about or listened to it before moving forward with this podcast episode. You have been warned. Mm -hmm. We are here today to talk about the new Broadway musical MJ at the Neil Simon Theater. We saw this performance on February 23rd. MJ has a book by Lynn Nottage starring Miles Frost. However, the role of MJ uh, was played by Aramie Payton at the performance we saw. Mm -hmm. So we did not see Miles Frost. We saw the understudy perform at the February 23rd evening performance. This musical has direction and choreography by Christopher Wielden, music supervision, orchestrations, and arrangements by David Holsenberg, music direction, orchestrations, arrangements by Jason Michael Webb. And has scenic design by Derek McLean, lighting design by Natasha Katz, costume design by Paul Tazewell, sound design by Gareth Owen, projection design by Peter Negrini, wig and hair design by Charles Lapointe, and makeup design by Joe DeLude II. Okay. Uh, this is one of the newer shows that has come to Broadway since Broadway has reopened, and it opened a few weeks ago. We really wanted to check it out and see what a lot of the hype was about. So just off the cuff, what were your, some of your initial thoughts after seeing this last night? So some of my initial thoughts starting is with this musical, I was going in with my whole jukebox musical, biopic musical, um, bias opinions. Mm. And it took me uh, for the first 10 minutes to kind of get over with like, oh, do we really need another jukebox musical on Broadway? And once I was able to strip that, I was really able to see what was trying to be told here. What was, was it working? And I liked the fact that this seemed a little bit more of like a documentary style musical, which I don't know how many of those we have actually seen um, yet on Broadway. And um, just the premise of it is they're doing Michael Jackson's Dangerous World Tour and MTV is coming in and filming this docuseries, uh, documentary. And... um, after going and seeing this after the musical, I went and saw that this actually was a real documentary. Mm-hmm. It was mm-hmm. like a six-part documentary, 16-minute mm-hmm. episode piece that was talking about what how the process for Michael Jackson and his Dangerous World tour came about. Yeah. So knowing that, I kind of was like, oh, this was done a little bit more interesting. Um, and it was fun. I would say there was a lot of moments in the show. Do I think the show was perfect? Probably not. Um, But I do think that it does have a lot of moments. Um, So, yeah. What what were some of the things that you... I think there were certainly moments that were nice. As a whole, I don't know if it works. Yeah. I don't know if this was needed Um, right now. Yeah. I I don't know if this was... I mean, listen, there was no empty seats. No. It was an audience that was cheering throughout as if they were at a concert, similar to how we're starting to see some of these jukebox musicals play out with the Tina Turner and dancing in the aisles with Mamma Mia and all that. Um, To me, you know what I instantly thought? So in the first act, you have this camera crew person from MTV, right? And they're almost like the villain of the show, the camera producer, and and they're trying to, and Michael Jackson doesn't want them there. Mm -hmm. Um, And 
that just completely disappeared in Act Two for the most part. They, they were there, but I don't know what wound up happening. They were there. What was the point? Right. And you know what I thought of? I, I'll never forget in Rent when Mar- I think it's Mark is is making the film. Okay. And he's filming his friends, and then at the end they show the film, and you're like, oh, this was their whole life together. Like yeah. he made the movie. Why on earth, when you have all these projections, would you not have maybe like shown a clip, shown some of the actual document? Maybe they couldn't. Maybe, maybe, but maybe what you filmed. I've seen um, productions where what's literally being filmed is live stream. West Side Story revival, I think, was that where you were seeing it on the back wall. Mm -hmm. There was that illusion of like, oh, what we're seeing. And the only reason why I think that was such a missed opportunity was because. They're in the middle of doing dance sequences and the camera person's walking through dance sequences. As a choreographer, I don't know how you got around choreographing this camera person in that. It, to me, it was such a missed opportunity that this camera is so heavily involved in this producer and then it just disappears and you don't see any of it. That was, a, to me, I thought a big missed opportunity. Yeah, I, I didn't really, the, the plot, to me, there was like, what was this plot? Was well, the I plot, think, was there a plot? Did we? Well, it's interesting that you're saying this because it's like, was, was this someone saying, I really would love to create a Michael Jackson musical. I, I love Michael Jackson's catalog. And but let's not tell the whole life story. Let's tell it. Oh, oh, but we'll flash back and do all his old stuff from childhood to teenage. Like, you know what I'm saying? Like, yeah. it was like the idea was there. Well, it at was times like it was certainly there. was inspired. I would have to go and watch the docuseries yeah. to see if it. Uh, kind of translates, but it's like, oh, wait, I'm inspired by this, and this could be the way to tell Michael Jackson's story. And I feel a bit like, why did we touch on things and then forget about them? Mm -hmm. I think there was a lot of that happening in this show. It was like, the tour never even had a U.S. leg. Mm. And it ha- it didn't have a U.S. leg because they canceled it. Yeah, we don't find that out. But we realized that it was expensive, that there was money problems. No, it was because too. he was dealing with his painkillers oh, right, problems right, right. because he was dealing with accusations of child molestation at the same time. So that was kind of stripped from this show, and they skirted around it. And I wonder why they did that. The this is definitely something where there was at times I felt elephant in the room presence. Like, why are some things not being talked about? And you can definitely tell the audience was like, I love this music. I don't care. It's great yeah. music. And it's like, I don't want to compare this to another type of art form, but there was moments where I felt like, oh, this, I don't, this would work as a tour in a Las Vegas residency, a Cirque du Soleil. I think actually has a Michael Jackson theme show. To me, I was just like, I don't know how this is working as a as a plot book musical. And I will tell you something right now. I, of course, we'll give credit where credit is due. That choreography is insanity. Insane. It is amazing. Yeah, and the it, performers on the stage, and the performers are, are so talented. The vocals, uh, uh, Army Payton, like yeah. that was amazing. The what he was so doing he was up there, I was like, is that actually Michael? <laughs> yes, and I thought the design. The way the projections were used, the way that Thriller song in Act 2 was really awesome. Yes, there were certainly some great moments. But that works, to me, in spectacle shows, in movies, in arena-style performance. In When I think of book musical Broadway, I don't know. I don't know. I think that's what people are forgetting. 
we're watching a Broadway musical. And what has the word musical become? Well, yes, because when you're literally the whole two and a half hour show, no joke, seeing ushers flashing flashlights at people taking their phones out or taking their masks off or not following the rules, literally for the whole two and a half hours. Yeah. I think it I just becomes them. a concert. I felt like I was well, actually I at a concert. I think that's what was a little off-putting, too, is like I'm watching this show behind the usher's head. Yeah. Because she was flashing the light the whole time. And I understand that, why. But is that coming down to the theater, too, because they don't know how to properly get people to not use their phones? Mm. It's just... I think you're dealing with a situation where maybe these are people that don't go and see the Thornton Wilder play. And instead, this is the only Broadway they come to. But this Maybe. is... Maybe. But guess You what? know what I'm saying? But then guess what? If you know that the audience loves Michael Jackson and are going to treat this like a concert, because many well, people that are going to see pop musicals mm-hmm. are going to treat it like a concert, yeah. then guess what? We have to be okay with having phones in the theater. And But it doesn't... It, it's not allowed for copyright purposes, too. It's not just... You know, concerts allow or don't allow. This is a this is a ticketed not, event. It's but I'm not going to keep having my show experience yeah. interrupted because an usher has to police yeah. an audience. Yeah. I understand. Make sense. I don't even it think they were flashing sense. the light mainly for masks. I actually think the masks were not the no, issue. It was, it was the phones. It was phones. And to me, another thing that I think I'm going to be honest with you: in the average musical, what do you have in Act One? Maybe. Seven or eight songs and act two, seven or eight songs. I think there's like 20 song, 30 songs in this show. So when you're doing a minute and a half of a song, a minute and a applause, a minute, woo, a minute. The, well, and, and if you noticed, the actors on stage promote the applause and the hype after a song in the rehearsal because we're the show within a show. Of course, the audience is going to play off that. Yeah. Of course. And so, and so you're squeezing in so many songs. You have the audience now applauding triple the amount of time compared to a regular Broadway show. Of course, there's going to be more reaction. But that's I don't know if I'm saying that's right or wrong. But that's fine because I think the energy in the room, even with the audience, was great. Yeah. Yeah. But we're dealing with so many things still mm-hmm. during a COVID time. Yeah. We're dealing with mask police, phone police, talking police, or not talking police because people were talking the whole time. Yeah. But it was like... What what is this? Is it a concert or is it a musical? I well, think we need to stop talking about shows being musicals when they're kind of not. Well, I think we have two different biopic musicals. <laughs> we have the Jagged Little Pills Mamma Mia's, which is take the catalog of music, put an original story to it. There, I feel like I'm at a musical yeah. because there's a book. I mean, there's a book here too, but I'm saying there's a plot. Yeah. There's a, a character plot. When you have the Beautifuls and the Tinas and this it lends itself to be open to that concert feel. And people actually say, I felt like I was at the blah, blah, blah concert. Well, of course you do. Yeah. And I, I maybe that's the intention of the producers. But, but then you can't also say, oh, and by the way, don't take your phones out and don't chew this and don't go here and don't do that. <laughs> and you can't be seated and the show started already because concerts, you can come in late. You know, So you're treating it like a concert, but there's a lot of Broadway rules still. I just so. think like the music... Some people can argue this, but the music didn't drive the plot in this mm-hmm. musical. No. This was a play, again, that had Michael Jackson songs in it. I personally like the Mamma Mia, Jag a Little Pill approach. Yeah. Because we were watching a plot, and then the song was like, oh my gosh, I love that song. That's so cool how they made that work with that character. It's creative. It's inventive. I, that works for me more. 
Because I think there's room on, for Broadway to have pop music. Mm-hmm. Of course. We talk about that with two worlds all the time, bridging the worlds of theater and pop. It totally makes sense. But if it's done in a way that's not to... Well, you know, let me ask you. Is this to feed the tourists? It is this totally a tourist is. trap? It totally is. And it's, a, it's unfortunately a cash cow. Mm-hmm. Because we sat in almost the last row... Last night for yeah, we, yeah. almost sixty dollars, right. which normally that seat is thirty, forty dollars, right? So I mean, so and, and, and we everyone don't, else I don't mind that, where I sit but, half the time, but but I'm saying everyone else in that room paid probably over sixty dollars yeah, for yeah, a seat. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So yeah, yeah, it's still making money. So when they say, "Oh, Broadway's not making the money," you know, clearly it is, but it's making it in tourist trap shows. I will say two facts though about Michael Jackson himself: Thriller is the best selling album of all, all time. Mm-hmm. Guinness Book of World Records has Michael Jackson listed as the most successful entertainer of all time. Knowing those two facts, mm-hmm. of course there would be a Broadway show about someone like that. I, I, because of those two facts. To me, if I'm thinking like a producer, I'm thinking, oh, yeah, it's the most successful person in American music history of the last 50 years. So I am not saying, you know, because there are there are scandals with this person in the last 20 years of their life. But, but a producer is only thinking about, I guess, money, cash flow, and something like this because it's look at selling. But here it's we, employing a lot of people. But here we go again. Is something a little bit more interesting? You just said two, like two things. He's the best selling artist of all time, but also Thriller is one of the best selling. It is the best selling album of all time. Best selling album, and of he all is the time. most Guinness Book of World Records most successful entertainer. Now, Thriller is such an iconic song. The music video is such an iconic music video. Wouldn't it have been more interesting to make a musical or a play about the making of Thriller? Yeah, when that is the most successful. Right. You know, don't take all of this other fluff out. Like, if you're gonna skirt around the controversies that were. Um, Dealing with Michael Jackson was dealing with at the time, and then like end Act One with that, and then not talk about right. it in Act Two at right. all, and then just go the back and right. Why are we doing? And then we had these like Bob Fosse, um, Fred Astaire flashbacks to like the. In, I think Michael Jackson got a lot of. There's totally Fosse inspiration. I think that's yeah. like known that that there was inspiration there. So okay, bring it back to the Broadway roots a little bit. Act Two didn't seem like the same show to me as Act One. Well, because I think we're dealing with the tour. Yeah. So we're dealing with him putting on the dangerous but, tour, but and if they're you're taking getting... elements from the tour, and they're just giving us those moments, which again brings us to the point of: was this just a concert? Was this a restaging? I, I think the Thriller performance in Act Two was almost probably identical to what they probably saw on the tour. Right. So yeah. we even have the moment where he comes out of the toaster. Uh, yeah, left, yeah, yeah. Which is cool. cool. It's fun. He did it, but at, it was like. Hmm. Mm. Great. I'm probably sure many people, well, probably many people didn't see that tour in right. the U.S. because it was canceled. Ago. Oh, no, no, no. But you know what I mean. And it it kind of leads me to this question about music, like biopic musicals itself. And I, I kind of said this before, but like, do you think some of these musicals might do better with original music? Would you be more interested in seeing it with original music. If it was blended with some of the hits, meaning I don't need 30 Michael Jackson songs. Give me the top five mixed in with maybe some original song work. Yeah. Because I just, we didn't, we never really had that moment with Michael. The moments were Michael singing outward to 
the audience. But 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 it wasn't really relating to. I think at one point I even heard you say, "Why did that just happen?" Yeah. <laughs> there was moments where I was like, "Why? Why is this?" Ha-? And then I will say something else. When you're cramming so much music in, you're literally taking time away from book scenes. Yeah. So Lynn Nottage, who is brilliant and and so esteemed and 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 a brilliant playwright, doesn't have much time here. It's almost like let's bring Lynn Nottage on. Oh, but your book scenes can only be like thirty seconds because we got to get to the next song. How do you give a Pulitzer Prize winning? Oh, here come onto this project, but this is all you get. Mm. Because we have to cram 30 songs in. Mm. To me, I don't know how that works. Whereas with Jag a Little Pill, what was it? Her what is that album? 10 songs? 12 songs? And you have book yeah. scenes. You have full flushed out book scenes. Yeah, but I think there was more than just Jag a Little Pill in it. No, I know. I but what I'm saying is it was there was moments songs. where I think some songs were as short as like a minute. Yeah. And it would end with like, oh, oh, it's time to applaud now, I think, because are we on to the next song or I, I you know, and then we went to the past of Michael's father and the family. That was clearly something. You know, I actually thought the transitions in and out of some of those flashbacks worked well with the Michaels were passing the baton to each other was cool. It had this nice director eye on it. I thought that was actually nice. It wasn't especially like blackout, the, next scene, you know. Right, and especially because it wasn't like, okay, and now when I was five and then. Boom. Right, which like Temptations <laughs> was like talk to the audience. Share sure. show was talk to the audience. Summer, talk to the audience. Right. It was like, ugh. That, I don't like to talk to the audience. That doesn't, to me, it doesn't work. For some things that I do want to for, praise for the show, that one was that we didn't break the fourth yeah, wall yeah, often, yeah. except for cheering along with the, the crowd. But they weren't breaking it. They mm-hmm. were just cheering mm-hmm. as if they were like, yeah, we got the performance right. done. Right. Um, I thought the lighting was amazing. Amazing. Well, I will say Natasha Katz, oh, yeah. she's, she's lit. As, oh my God! As tons soon of as you said, Natasha She's like, a brilliant okay. lighting designer, and yes. her lighting design and everything I see plays or musicals is always brilliant. And those, <clears throat> whoever did the transitions with some of the scenic design, who I don't know, um, projections and scenic design. Well, yeah. scenic design was um, Derek McLean who did Moulin Rouge scenery, I believe. Yep. So okay. you can see a lot of that so, projections mixed with scenery kind of thing. When we're doing these transitions and Michael's talking, and then all of a sudden there's it was a there. new set. Oh, there was some moments I was like, "Whoa, where did that?" I was, like, I was like magic, yeah. and that's very cool. And yeah. I do think that that Act One finale is going to go down as being a great. Act it was one really great with those shards of glass like that in the yeah, like where was that in Frozen? Because <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> it yeah. was like, whew, yeah, the whole stage transformed to like him breaking down, and I wish we had him still broken down in Act Two. I also right. <laughs> it was an, it was interesting with that also. I just feel like maybe there could have been a couple more ensemble members. The dance sequences were great. You have a big – Daniel Simon's a big stage. Mm-hmm. What, seven or eight of them at one time dancing? Couldn't have like you know 12 or 14? I don't know. There was one scene where there was projections of people dancing behind them. I'm like, oh, you are filling a stage with projections of people dancing. I don't buy it. I but it was kind of cool because they were dancing in unison with the projection. Yeah, I, of course. They're, yeah. I just was like, mm. if you messed that up, that you, yeah. you would know. My favorite, <laughs> well, I think that was around the Studio 54 song scene. Yes. That was great. That was my favorite. I think my favorite song, that whole number. Because did that transition into a thriller moment? Yeah, there was two thriller moments, the act one and then the bigger one in act two. Yeah, yeah which was super cool. But, but talking about Duke about musicals, the question I have for you is... Do jukebox musicals get a free pass 
collect, Pasco collect $200, you know, Monopoly. Do, do, do jukebox musicals get a free pass on certain elements of a musical because it's a jukebox musical? Meaning, oh, this is a new originals musical. I'm going to be very critical on the book, on the acting, on the plot. Oh, but this is a jukebox musical, but we let the book and the plot and the acting pass. Are we okay with that? The question is, do these jukebox musicals get a freebie pass on some traditional book elements? I'm, I'm, I'm hard on the book right now because I just don't understand. If a brand new musical came on and crammed 30 songs in with little book scenes, that would be read. Yeah. And for this, it's like, oh, but it's Michael Jackson music, so it's okay. Do you agree with that? Or do you see that trending in this style of musical theater? Mm, you have to ask the question. One more time. One more time. Do jukebox musicals get a free pass on certain elements of a musical, like book, plot, and acting? Uh, yes. I do. Uh, I think, in reviews, I in think, audience reviews? I think yes from a certain audience. Avid Broadway goers don't give it a pass. They, they critically review it with a harsher eye. People that are not avid Broadway goers, I think give it a pass because it's what they want to see. It's like Disney. Disney gets the pass. Because it's Because it's Disney. But guess what? Disney always gets ripped apart by the Broadway avid goers. Yeah, but there's also, I mean, there's also something where like, oh, as long as the five songs from the movie are in there, great. The other six added songs for this, it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter if they're good or bad. But when you and I go, we leave and we're like... Some of those added songs are great. Some of them are... "Mm." Yeah, but that goes for the the jukebox musicals too, you know? When I left Jagged Little Pill, I was more entertained and praised it a bit more because I felt like more work went into it. And it's not to say that work didn't go into this musical because it did. Of course, there's so many talented people involved, of course. But it didn't go into the book, unfortunately. It didn't go into the book. But I do like, like, when I think of Beautiful, the Carole King musical, I liked that. There was a lot of pushed music in there. But I remember the scenes... I think you liked Being, it, though, because we weren't so... The jukebox musical wasn't saturated. wasn't saturated yet. Right. That was, like, what? Maybe the second or third? Right. Yeah, like, Mamma Mia before that was the first big one. Jersey Boys, kind and Jersey of. Jersey Boys. But you know what? There's something about Mamma Mia where it's like, I don't need to know the life story of ABBA. I love the music. Like, maybe we do a original plot with Michael Jackson music, but maybe we don't need his life story, but use some of his music and tell him like drag a little pill. I don't know. I like, I really like that idea. It allows book writers and creative teams to get together and really get original. If the music works, if the music works, but if I'm going to tell you something, we will see more of these. I know it. They're not going anywhere. We will. Who's the next pop star? Britney Spears music in that off out of town. But that's going to be a different it's gonna, style, right? Because it's not her life story, right? It's going to be like head so. Over but, so do we go? Oh, okay. Like we allow it, but what I'm saying is, I think well, we go we to something. O- but we don't always allow it because Head Over Heels didn't work. Some people liked it. I liked it, but it was off before we could say. Um, yeah, and unfortunately, I will say the Tony Awards committee doesn't always. Award, if you look at the track record of jukebox musicals, yes, they have won Tony Awards. Let's look at Moulin Rouge, just won 10. Mm-hmm. Different, though. Different. It's different. It's a movie to stage, and it's using all these pop songs to tell a story. Yeah. But 
they and when you were saying Disney, some of these Disney shows, they don't always get the tone. They do. Julie Taymor, Lion King. Okay, of course she wins that. She's brilliant in what she did on that show. But uh, at but, the same time, that's when Disney was getting praised because they were doing things differently. When Beauty and the Beast changed Broadway. Right, for when Lion King changed right, Broadway. Right. And then they were like, let's mm, pump out these shows now. Let's pump out Little Mermaid, Tarzan, you know. Um, and after that, Mary it was Poppins. a little bit like, mm. yeah. Disney doesn't get that anymore because they don't need it. Just yeah. like these shows don't no. need it. But guess who does get the nominations? The leads that are portraying and impersonating. And doing a brilliant job. The uh, doing star. a brilliant job. And you the know? choreo sometimes and the creative sometimes. Do they get nominated for Best Musical? Yes. Do they win Best Musical? Usually the Tony Awards Committee likes to give it to something a little more original. Usually. That's the track record on it. Yeah. And um, I think that's the word, original. Uh, as much as this is original, it's not. It was like one step in the door and one step out of the door to yeah. me. Mm-hmm. When I see something like Jack Little Pill, I feel like I'm fully submerged in something different. Yeah, because it's an original story told with right. music. Then again, Girl from North Country is an original story told with Bob Dylan music, and I was on that a little bit because I don't know if the plot had was working. That was actually an original, maybe an original plot that I actually didn't even think was Working much for it. I don't remember the plot. Yeah, I know. I know. <laughs> uh, um, but I do want to know one more thing from you. Yes. Where do we go from here in jukebox musicals? We go. You know where we go. They started with the older, i.e., Abba, Bob Dylan. Now we're. Mo- do you see how we're moving? Tina and MJ are eighties because who's got who's going now? What's the average Broadway, you know, who's getting buying good seats, maybe 50, 60, 70, a 60-year-old? Listen to Tina Turner and MJ. So now what are we doing? We're slowly creating Alanis Morissette, 90s, Britney Spears. In five years, it'll be Taylor Swift. I mean, right? At this rate. I still want Taylor Swift to just write the musical. Please don't write a musical <laughs> with Taylor Swift music. Just write the musical with Taylor Swift. Well, she'd be, she would do that. You. She'd be great. Thank you. Um. But, you know, but you see, like, would a Frank Sinatra biopic work today? Sure, but I think that would be going backwards in terms of what an audience wants. Sure, I love Frank Sinatra. I would see that. But, I, but For me, I would love to see more pop writers like Sarah Bareilles with Waitress. Is enter, that what you're talking about? Yes, enter the space. Instead of writing a jukebox musical with Sarah Bareilles music, let Sarah Bareilles or Sheryl Crow right, with or Diana. Taylor Swift or right. some of these people write the musical. Well, Cindy Lauper. Look yes. at that. She wrote Kinky Boots. Kinky Boots. I mean, and how great is that? It yeah. wasn't her true colors, all her stuff, which is great. Right. She could have did that. She actually probably could have been like, I'm going to throw some of my things in here. She didn't. Right. But... Let that sell the show. Then. She won a Tony Award for that score, I think. I think yeah. she actually won the Tony Award for score for that. Because it was great. And Sarah Bareilles was nominated for score, I think, for Waitress. So, like, and people love it. And guess what? That sold the show, too. Because yeah. now it's Sarah Bareilles' music and Cindy Lauper doing Kinky yeah. Boots. Now, sometimes it doesn't work because whoever did Diana, I forget who it was. Whew. Oh, yeah. It was, yeah, I know, I know, I know. Uh, but, you know. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I think, or, like, um, I, I just think... Let's be. Cre- this is a creative place, yes. the theater. Yeah. And when there's money, get creative. Get creative. Don't half get creative. Don't like start telling a plot and then be like, let's just do big production numbers of thriller now. <laughs> right? Yeah. Just because 
audience is going to love it. Mm-hmm. You know, and like I said, what I said at the beginning of this, there's something about that cameraman floating through and they were like, stay out of our way. We need you in the corner. You're going to be kicked out of this room. And yet like they're in the middle of the act one thriller song and he's walking through it. I was like, project it. <laughs> Live stream projected. How cool would that have been? You're literally walking around this space with the camera. Mm-hmm. I think that would have been so cool. We saw it, like I said, we Rent does it. I always remember the first time I saw Rent and I saw it, I'm like, oh my gosh, he was filming the whole time. Yeah. And there it is. And it's so sad, that ending in a way. But that was 30 years ago. Like, come on. Yeah. If they did that 30 years ago, you're doing all these projections. Yeah. Anyway. Coming full circle. Full uh, circle. Uh, oh, oh, gosh. Oh. We talk a lot, <laughs> but that flew by. Um Last minute thoughts. Wrap it up. What do you think? Thoughts on this? My wrap up here is it's not a terrible musical. It's not an amazing musical. If you like Michael Jackson, if you like Michael Jackson music, you're probably going to really love it and you're going to appreciate it. And that's fine. I just think if you're going to see this show, think of it from a Broadway eye and not just what you want to hear in a concert style version of Michael Jackson music. Mm -hmm. Because the longer we keep letting all of these shows happen. It's fine. It's really fine that they are. It's just like, I just want more originality. Mm-hmm. You know, that's, mm-hmm. I guess that's my, my feeling on it. I would say entertaining at times, talented people on stage. Mm-hmm. Some moments are really creative. I don't know if this was needed. Um, and there was an elephant in the room at times about this person's scandals and yeah. it was not, and it was just looming. I felt that looming, not like any other jukebox musical. Yeah. Um, and so it's yeah, fun just, at times, but I wish there was a plot. I wish there was a book scene, some book scenes that made sense to me uh, in terms of not just throwing this up on stage. Yeah, I know we're going to go over, but I do want to touch on that for one second. Yeah, yeah, yeah. When you say like, was this needed? I don't think this solved anything in the Michael Jackson realm. So it didn't help nor hinder. It didn't, it didn't do anything. It didn't do anything. It just for kind of did people it. that disagree with Michael Jackson and believe everything that happened to Michael Jackson. They're not going to feel any different about him after this show. And the people that will always right. support him right. are will. not going to are right. not going to change. Their, they're going to still support him. So it doesn't actually. They make the father the villain. Mm-hmm. In the show. Oh, and we have to do our shout-out to who we're going to say our shout-out to. Ayanna George playing Kate and Catherine Jackson. Oh, oh, my gosh. The vocals when she's saying, I'll be there. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. I, oh, that is – that's – that was worth it to me. Just to hear her. I wanted, I would hear her sing the phone book. And I wish I could have heard the whole thing, but I had a chorus oh, behind me. Oh, there were people <laughs> chatting during the show, I know. But well, they were singing it. <laughs> oh, yeah, 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 yeah. But anyway, yes. This, I know we're out of time. But yes, I would say um, it's – just, I don't know. I don't know. But kudos to those dancers and yeah. those people in that show yeah. doing that eight times a week. You are killing that choreography. It's amazing choreography. Yeah. So. One of those dancers, tell me how you get your arms to look that way. I get these, <laughs> their bodies, they're dancing, it's a oh living, my. they're making it work, and they're amazing. So And and there was some great creative team doing anyway, amazing yeah. things, too. And the band. The band yes, was great. I love hearing that great. music live. I did nothing like live music, no matter what, right? right. So you hear the live music, it's yeah. great. Anyway. Well, thank you for listening. I hope you enjoyed this podcast today. Please subscribe to our podcast on Spotify or Apple Music. Leave us a review if you love what you heard. We also want you to join in our conversation, engage with us. Head over to our Instagram account at Half Hour Podcast. Comment on our latest post about this podcast episode. We'd love to hear from you. We're also on TikTok yes. at Half Hour Podcast. Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, all the places, Half Hour Podcast, and Two Worlds Entertainment at Two Worlds End. Follow us there. 
all good things. More to come with pop music, more to come with Broadway, some new shows coming up in the next few months. Thank you all for listening. We hope you had a great listen, and more to come next time. So signing off for now, I'm Richie. And I'm Jeff. Same ta-ta. Hey, it's Leslie Odom Jr. here on the Broadway Podcast Network to tell you about the RISE Theatre Directory, a program of maestro music. RISE is a national online resource designed to connect and empower backstage and administrative and creative theatre professionals from underrepresented backgrounds. If you work or aspire to work in the theater community, this can help you find your next project. And if you hire theater professionals, search the Rise Theater directory to find your next team. Create your profile now and get more information by visiting risetheater.org. That's theater with an R-E-R-I-S-E-T-H-E-A-T-R-E dot org because only together we rise.